I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walt. Psalm 122, Psalm 122. We've been looking at the song or psalms of degrees, where the word degree means steps or higher to go up, to, to ascend. And we were looking at this first set of three, and we said in the first one, you know, there is the uh, testing or the trouble. And they, the uh, psalmist says, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord. And then in Psalm 21, we see uh, the, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. And we see there the trusting, where he gets that truth from. And then the triumph, I was glad where we're at today. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. We see here that Jerusalem is in focus in these uh, verses. We not only see that Jerusalem is in focus, we also see some places. But the one that's singled out more is the uh, temple of the Lord, the house of the Lord would be in the temple. And we also saw the palaces. Uh, you know, that he talked about peace being within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. And we'll get to all that. But let's keep our mainstay on the uh, city of God and the house of God. David had it in his heart. And by the way, this is definitely a psalm that is attributed to David. There are others they think David wrote, but I'm not sure. But this is one of three that they're very uh, sure that he has written. And I find it interesting because if you look at Psalm 122, we're talking about the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. When we go to Psalm 133, which David also wrote, we see, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Uh, those two uh, seem to be able to go together. Then the other one that he is attributed to him is Psalm 131, where he says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, it's not proud, it's not lifted up, nor are my eyes lofty. 
Uh, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. And certainly if you're going to go into the house of the Lord and get something from God, you need to quiet yourself. So kind of an interesting trilogy there. But in the meantime, we're going to look at a few things here. And the very first thing we're going to look at in verses 1 and 2 is the call to worship. The call to worship. What an interesting call. And I want to show you three things about that call. When it comes to this call, we need to hear, we need to heed, and we need to herald. And I'm using that word in the terms of hark the herald angels sings in a sense of joy and rejoicing and gladness. And these three things show us not only our worship and praise, but our spiritual blessings that we have to be able to worship and praise. So we're going to take a look at that. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is here. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. I was glad when they said there was a call. God gives you the invitation, and you accepted that invitation and got saved. And then he said the first act of obedience was baptism, and prayerfully you were baptized. But then we need to get that through a local church, our local body where we grow in the things of God, where we're called to worship collectively, but we're also called to worship him in one-on-one. But this is the collective call because he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. When you get that invitation to come to church, my friend, and you go and you hear the gospel and you get saved, what a joy. And now you can go and be part of that house. And David was glad to go into the house of God because he needed all of those things. He had been running from Saul. He had gone through so much. And David professes his joy for the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord in our day is not the temple, but it is the church that was birthed in the book of Acts. Now think about this. Is it a joy when you go to church? We certainly know that we had uh, come through some times when we weren't able to go to church because of a pandemic. We know that uh, that is a, was a totally different way of worship, having to watch services online. But let me ask you something. Does that change now? Or do we, are we ha- is there a gladness and a joy to go into the house of the Lord? Is it a, a thrill to go into the house of the Lord? Are you excited? Is it get, I mean, this is a place. David said, I, I'm going to heed that. I'm going. I'm not just going to hear it. I'm going in. I'm going to exercise my spiritual blessings. I'm going to get those blessings from being in the house of the Lord. And I'm glad that I get to go. I'm thrilled that I get to go. I'm excited that I get to go. And I can't wait to go. In Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath past tense blessed us with all spiritual blessings he has blessed us now it's very very interesting because i was kind of constructing this into uh the breakdown of its parts and this is the way it goes it is he has made this decision and it's it, he's done it with the aorist tense which means it's a past thing that's a once and for all deal 
there's no compliment on time, but it's a done deal. It's been done. It's not going to be done again. It's done, period, end of story. And he's done it with all, not blessings, but spiritual blessings. He has bountifully come on to us with the spiritual blessings of life. And we're dealing with the things of the spirit, not the flesh, not physical blessings. We must understand that our major blessings and our best blessings are spiritual blessings. And those are the ones that transfer. Now, God's good. He gives us physical blessings. We are able to put food on the table. And we are able to see him work in many ways. We get excited when we have something in our life that he, he answers. But the spiritual blessings, don't overlook them because he has blessed us with those. He did that even in heavenly places in Christ. You know how he did that? Because he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, verse 4, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He predestinated us unto the adoption of children. He decided that if we get saved, he determined a long time ago, he would, what? He would adopt us as his children. What a awesome thought process. And again, that's in the aorist tense. He did it past as a one-time deal, and it's done. It's a done deal. It's not going to be undone. It, it wasn't in the present tense. I'll try to keep you adopted. That's not what he said. He said it's a done deal. You're adopted according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Aren't you glad you're accepted? Aren't you glad you're highly favored? And how did he do that? In whom we have. Hmm. Think about that. In whom? Did you get saved? We have, present tense, right now, we have redemption. Right now, we have. And this is what's interesting about that. It's in the we have, we had. It's actually in a mode which shows the active present tense and the active aorist tense together. We have it, and it's a done deal. We have it, and it's a done deal. I like the way he double emphasized that. Right now, if you really got saved, right now, you have it. And it's a done deal. It's not going away. It stamps that uh, uh, eternal security there. Well, how did we do that? How did that happen? You didn't do it. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. This is all wonderful blessings. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, having made unto us the mystery of his will. He, a mystery in the Bible, something that was once covered and not revealed, that is now revealed. He's made that known. He has made that known. And then we just drop down here to what the Spirit of God does. In whom also after you trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Once again, that sealing, that noting ownership. And it's in the aorist tense. It was sealed. When it was sealed, it's a done deal. And we believe, done deal. We were sealed, done deal. And then it says, which is the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And here again, 
We're looking at a spiritual blessing that we have not gotten yet. That is our glorified body. What an incredible thought process. What an incredible joy to have that kind of spiritual blessing. Now, let's just fast forward and we'll go over to the book of 2 Peter chapter number 1. And Peter says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great precious and their promises that in by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust he gave us all of these wonderful things that brought us to salvation and he gave us all these wonderful things at salvation and they're there and they're a done deal and they continue to be i was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the lord our feet shall stand within thy gates o jerusalem that's right. We're going to be in the holy city. We're going to be in the house of God. We're going to be doing what we're supposed to be doing. A call to worship. In verses 3 through 5, we see a construction of Jerusalem. And I want you to look at the word, verse 3. Jerusalem is builded, constructed. The idea is that it has been made for a purpose. A Jerusalem is a Build it as a city that is compact together, meaning that it has been built to bring people together in a compact way. It was there at the city of Jerusalem where people made their journeys for the feasts. It was there that they came in so many times a year for these different things to remind themselves of God and the fact that there would be one day the Messiah. They missed him in those offerings. They missed him in those feasts. They didn't see him, unfortunately. And while many uh, got saved, and we see the wonderful thousands that got saved at Pentecost and all the good things happened, there were many more who rejected and the uh, religious leaders, man, they had a market on things. They're not going to let someone come in here with his religion. Well, Christ didn't come in with his religion. He came in with salvation, life. He didn't come in with some kind of doctrinal duties of man to perform, to work, to hope you can get yourself into heaven, to perform certain things and functions, and you'll be able to go to heaven, to go to the temple and do all of these things. No, no, no. He came to give us life and Life more abundantly. What a thought process that is. Life more abundantly. In verse 3, we see the structure where Jerusalem was. But then we see, verse 4, whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. I want you to notice we see the saints. They go up, and we called it about that. We said they go up certain times of the year. In fact, that was around the time that uh, the Lord was crucified. There was one of those feasts, and they were coming, and there was going to be a lot of people there to watch what they missed die on a cross, to watch the Messiah that they were looking for and longing for, yet they missed. 
What a horrible thought process. Jerusalem was the place where the tribes gathered together. But now, watch this. There is coming a day in Revelation 21, 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, when we look at Revelation chapter number 21, what are we talking about? Well, we'll just jump back up to verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. He's talking about the new Jerusalem where you and I will be able to be. What a thought process that is. So we see the structure and we see the saints. But we also see the service. We see that they come in and they testify and they give thanks unto the Lord. And by the way, the... uh, you go in, you look at the, the temple, and you would see that there was prayers offered. You remember that there was, after the temple was made, Solomon uh, prayed for wisdom to discern the people. And, and God said, because you didn't ask for life and riches and all, I'm going to give you the wisdom, but I'm also going to give you that which you did not ask for. Uh, what a thought process there. But they went in. Of course, Jesus read from Isaiah in the temple, closed the book, handed it back to him. So there was teaching. There was testifying, and there was giving thanks unto the name of the Lord. And they had their rituals and all that they did, but were no longer needed now. But uh, they missed that as well. We go to church. We go to church. Hopefully, you go to a church that biblically sound. And the things that you do is because the Bible says that's what we're to do. We take up an offering because the Bible says that we're to bring that on the first day of the week. And he says we're to bring our first fruits. And then we look at the fact we sing. The Bible talks about singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We testify. It's always in the Bible to testify everywhere we go. And we pray and we hear the preacher preach. And we see all the sermons that were preached in the early church. What power they had. And what happened in those times was incredible. 3,000 one time, 5,000 another time. By the way, that talks about the men it doesn't always talk about all the children that people got in. It was a whole lot more. Some people have tried to count it up, say at one point in the church at Jerusalem, there could have been as many as 27,000 people in the church. But God didn't want them to congregate. He wanted them to get out and start making churches, planning churches. When that didn't happen, uh, and they kind of stayed there, then there came some horrible persecutions. And that persecution pushed people out of Jerusalem. And that church actually dwindled down to whatever number and where people ran to in fact when James wrote one of the earlier writers he said James and the apostle uh, or James to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad greeting he was going to all the tribes that have been scattered abroad the brethren because the next verse is my brethren that were just scattered everywhere because of the persecution to try to get them to be unified where they were 
so that when they started churches and things and planted churches and got preachers in there, they would not be in wrong doctrine with a lot of error. They wanted to have the truth. So his letter kind of was to set some things straight. And then we see the setting. There are set thrones of judgment. Verse 5, for there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Now, of course, Jerusalem was the capital, and uh, the king would have been on the throne there. That's where uh, David was, and so that would be the place of judgment. That would be the place where they came for the hierarchy of judgment. That's the place where they would uh, bring their uh, big cases to. Now, we then go from the uh, construction of Jerusalem to the command to pray. And uh, I can remember, I said from the pulpit many times in many places that I've been in ministry that we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And when I was in Florida, I had uh, a, a man, older man come up to me and says, you say that all the time, and I've heard that forever as a Christian. Is that even in the Bible? I said, yes, sir. It is not, not in the Bible, but it is a command it's not a suggestion. This is in the imperative. It's in the present tense, and it's in the active voice. Pray right now for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Uh-huh. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And may those that are going to do that, they're going to prosper they're, that love you. If they love Jerusalem, they're going to prosper. Is that not what God said to Abraham back in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17 and other places. I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. I mean, where you stand when it comes to Israel makes all the difference in the world. And I have said for many, many years, the only sliver of hope as far as our country overall, looking at the way they look at things and the, the sins that we now laud as being okay, that God has destroyed cities over. Here's the thing. We have still been uh, Israel's friend, and we actually have seen, uh, because of an American president, we have seen Jerusalem moved uh, as the capital from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. What, a, what an interesting thing. But if we ever cut that off, I believe that's the last straw, and there'll be zero, zero blessing of God at that point. We're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We must. It is not a suggestion. It is a need. By the way, you've heard me say, if you've listened to this broadcast many times, that we must look at every election in Israel, in the surrounding areas of Israel, and our country, Britain, whatever these countries have, where they are as they line up to the prophecies that have not been fulfilled. And I can tell you that it doesn't matter who's in charge, they bring us closer to the one world government that's coming. Things happen and push and shove, and it's all headed that direction. But I look, and instead of looking at it from the lens of, uh-oh, well, we're in trouble, or uh-oh, this is not good, or oh, I, I like that. I look at it through the lens of, how is this going to shape the future to get us to the place where there is going to be, with no issues, a one-world government, one world acting together. I believe with these things like the pandemic, that is, that is part of the things that is causing the world to think closer together. So we will look. He says in verse 7, 
peace be within thy walls. We see the prayer. We see the prosperity. Now we see the peace. May peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. Boy, I tell you, Jerusalem doesn't have much peace. Israel doesn't have much peace. Even with her surrounded walls back then, there was no peace. There was no protection. There was just nothing. But boy, I'll tell you one thing. There's coming a day when there will be no need for the gates. There'll be no need for the guards because there will be the S-O-N shining in it all day long. There'll be no one to come through. The city had no need of the sun, Revelation 21, 23. Neither the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. How about that? And then verse 27, and there shall be in no wise, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Mm. Hallelujah. Peace be within thy walls, prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions sake, I will now say, peace be within thee. Peace be within thee. When he said that, he said that in that intensive stem. Peace be within thee. This is what I want you to have. Peace. You know why? We see the cause, the reason why. The cause is to seek God's good in the house of the Lord. Behold, uh, because of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek thy good. Because of the house of the Lord, that's our Old Testament Jesus, our God, creator Elohim, powerful God, I will seek thy good. Do you go into the house of God to seek the good things? Do you go into the house of God because it's a routine or rote? Or, yeah, I'm supposed to. Or do you go in looking for God to show up, show out, and give you something you need, and you seek the good of that service, wanting God to move and to bless and to talk specifically to you, saying, Lord, I want your presence. I want your word. I want to know exactly what you want me to do. I want to hear from heaven, and I will obey anything you say, whether it's to add something in my life I'm not doing, take something away that I am doing, or be prepared to do something for you that I don't think I can do, I will obey. And I love that song, I will obey right away. Amen and amen. Thank you, David. Thank you, David, for talk, taking us to the house of God in the holy city and reminding us in our day that we need to go to the house of God in our city, that our feet will stand. And we will go in and we will listen to our Heavenly Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to keep on keeping on. And no matter what happens in our day and age, may we not throw the towel in on you. But may we love you and learn and grow in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying that you have an absolutely wonderful, exciting, and an awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his
precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every word is true Oh, I believe every word that he said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.